0: At Eastern Bank, we believe that growing business should also grow the community. That's why we work to give all business owners what they need to take their dreams to the next level. Our dedication to small businesses and communities has inspired us to create the Equity Alliance for Business program and become the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running. We're proud to be here for all businesses, big and small. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com business. Like. Member FDIC. In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Kaska Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods. I always think about, I want to know what really happened. So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved.
1: It's a pretty big risk to come forward with the information that I have.
0: I'm David Ridgen and this is Someone Knows Something Season 8. The Angel Carlic Case. Available now.
1: Welcome to Say More from Boston Globe Opinion. I'm Shirley Leung. Sploitation. <laughs> A film genre that started in the early 70s, filled with black stars known for sex, violence, and action.
2: Hotter than Bond, cooler than Bullet. Rated
0: R. If you want to see Shaft, ask your mama.
1: Some people know it because of the music. The Superfly soundtrack by Curtis Mayfield is timeless. Dead is dead. That's what I said. The DNA of exploitation movies can be found in modern Hollywood, like Quentin Tarantino. You want to see some motherfucking silly? If I have to tell you to shut up one more time, I'm going to shut you up.
2: I just came over here to talk to you. To talk?
1: The way I see it, you and me got one motherfucking thing to talk about, one thing, and that's what you are willing to do for me. Tarantino's Jackie Brown even featured Pam Greer, a star of the exploitation era. Side note, it's pretty hard to find clips from these movies without swear words. My guest today has a new book about this topic digging into the history and watching these old movies with new eyes and answering a burning question. Did these films exploit or celebrate Black culture? Odie Henderson is chief film critic here at the Globe. His new book is called Black Caesars and Foxy Cleopatras, a history of Black Exploitation cinema. Welcome, Odie, to Say More. Thank you for having me. So it's been around 50 years since the peak of this genre. Why write this book now?
2: Well, there has been a resurgence of an interest in black exploitation. We've had Elvis Mitchell's 2022 Netflix documentary, Is that blackened the for you. We've had the Plot Thickens TCM podcast with Pam Greer on, of which I was on four episodes. And we generally have several parodies of Blacksploitation like Black Dynamite and some shows that are on now. So There has been a renewed interest in black exploitation. The other reason why I wanted to write the book is because since I saw so many of these movies as a kid, I wanted to revisit some of them as an adult. To me, they were empowering films when I was a kid, but now I can see a lot more complexity in them now as an adult. So I wanted to write this book simply to reevaluate my own childhood in a way, but also to look at the movies with a more mature set of eyes.
1: So, I, I think you were four <laughs> when you saw your first black exploitation films, a double feature of Coffee and Foxy Brown. I mean, not exactly child friendly films. <laughs> when Foxy Brown comes to town, all the brothers gather around, cause she can really shake them down. Foxy later, Foxy later. So, like, how did that happen and what went through your mind, even at the age of four, when you saw
2: these movies? My cousin took me, my older cousin took me to see Coffee and, and Foxy Brown, a double feature at the Picks Theater in Jersey City, which is now defunct, long defunct. And that's where you grew up, right? I grew up in <laughs> Jersey City, yes. And so my cousins, my female cousins, would play Pam Greer. You know, they'd, they'd play, you know, this powerful black woman with a giant afro that I envied because my afro was so thin. <laughs> <laughs> And they'd play that. And I just saw this powerful black woman. I was raised by, you know, my mother had a lot of sisters. Well, has a lot of sisters still. I was raised by a lot of aunties. And I always took after the women in my family because the men were strong and silent types. And I was neither going to be strong nor silent. And the women were the storytellers. They were the colorful people. They they had a power that we were told women were not supposed to have. And seeing that on the screen kind of translated, it didn't seem abnormal to me that, you know, Pam Greer would have a, a gun in her Afro. It, it just felt like business as usual. So what I got <laughs> out of them was I got a sense of Black empowerment, you know. Um, and my cousins, as as females, had even a bigger sense of empowerment because you didn't really see that. There were no powerful Black women on television. There were very, very wow. few powerful Black men. There weren't probably any. On television at that point. So that's, you know, again, looking at this from a child's perspective of what I got, what it meant to be Black to me as a kid, what the media was telling me, as opposed to, or in addition to what I know now. And that was uh, one of the main curiosities of writing this.
1: So how would you describe the genre to someone who's not familiar with exploitation films?
2: it's hard. It's almost like defining film noir. That's what I said in my book. I'm going to describe it more as an era than as a specific genre. There are obviously things that are part of the genre, a Black hero made cheaply, somewhat exploitative. The things that are specific, you have a great soundtrack, you have great clothes, you have a fashion plates, you have People who are not exactly stockbrokers—you have the people on the street, you have the informers, the religious zealots, the sex workers, the pimps, the drug dealers, the drug addicts, and people just trying to make a living. Look, we're gonna take that three hundred thousand. We're gonna buy thirty keys of coke, man—the best shit in town, rocks and lumps as big as marbles, no cut. That's all part of this. There aren't many black rotation movies where people are rich, and if they are rich they did not get that money from their daddy. They got it from some other ill-gotten means, like Superfly, for example, so cocaine. I know it's a rotten game. It's the only one the man left us to
0: play, and that's a stone-cold truth.
1: And what has been the reaction to exploitation films back then? I mean, you write in your book about how you know many people think these movies were racist including the NAACP and uh, but some people yeah, and, and right and, and some people like yourself i mean you you felt it empowering i mean you tell this incredible story about your cousins mm-hmm. right and seeing powerful women black women on screen you didn't see that so wh- where do you fall on that i mean do you think the NAACP had a
2: point <laughs> sometimes they did sometimes they did and you know again Let's take a look at what was going on before we got this. What was on the screen? Now, I love classic movies, and I always said this, if you're a minority, if you're Black or Asian or Native American, or even sometimes a woman, or if you're gay, and you're a classic movie lover, you have to brace yourself for some of the things you're going to see. The one thing I love about film noir, in addition to all the other things about femme Fatales and the detective movies that I love so much, is that there weren't very many black characters in them. Now that sounds like a negative thing, but think about 1947 what were the black characters you're going to get? Sidney Poitier is not here yet. He doesn't come until 1950. You're going to have, you know, coons and mammies and mulattoes and bucks and toms. And whenever a black person showed up on the screen, nine out of 10 times they were acting like an ass. So it was, or doing something racist. So now some of the movies in Black kind of also have similar ideas, uh, similar. Stereotypical portrayals, but in a lot of them, the people are in power. Mm-hmm. That's the difference.
1: Mm-hmm. More of my conversation with Odie Henderson after this short break.
0: Across New England, commercial businesses of all sizes rely on Eastern Bank. We help clients grow by being able to answer their larger loan needs and by offering innovative solutions, smart decision-making, and one-on-one relationships. From franchise financing to community development and asset-based lending, our knowledgeable and experienced commercial team deeply understands your business and the communities you serve. See how we can help you meet your business goals at easternbank.com commercial. And this is what
1: it like. Member FDIC. Okay, Odie, we're going to play a clip here. Let's see if you recognize it. Okay. What really struck me
0: was that too few books were about my people. Where are our stories? Where's our representation? Would you give us the pleasure of reading an excerpt? Yo, Sharonda, girl, you be pregnant again? If I is, Ray Ray is gonna be a real father this time around.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's American fiction.
1: Ding, 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 <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> I can't wait to see the film and I was I was thinking preparing for this interview I was thinking like oh we got to talk about American fiction now and so um and we and watching this trailer um actually tell us a little bit about American fiction explain to the
2: listeners what American fiction is okay American fiction is based on a novel by Percival Everett called Erasure and it's about uh, Jeffrey Wright's character Delonius Ellison whose name nickname is Monk he is a, an author of books that are not about the Black experience per se. He's also a teacher. His books keep getting put in the African-American section of the bookstore, even though they have nothing to do with the African-American experience. He's angry about that because his books don't sell. Because they're kind of bougie and boring books. But they're his books. And Issa Rae plays a character named Sinatra, Sentara Golden, who writes this book called Louise Lives in the Ghetto, and it's every kind of Black stereotype, hood stereotype you could think of. You know, there's gunfire, there's deadbeat dads, there's drugs, there's, you know, terrible vernacular that sounds like the vernacular that he used to write for Black people in the 40s. And it's an enormous hit. And Monk gets so angry about this, he decides he's going to write a parody of this type of book called My Pathology. So... The movie is, is a satire of things like that. I, primarily, I think Everett was going at the Precious. That's kind of my idea, the book Precious, and, and, uh, which is called Push, and the movie yeah. Precious. But I don't think the movie existed when he wrote the book, but the, the, the book did. And going on, let's have Black trauma all the time. And that happens a lot in movies. Movies don't become successful Black movies unless we have trauma. So slavery, mm-hmm. drugs, you know... This has to be part of our experience.
1: We've talked about how black exploitation movies upset some black film goers. Um, American fiction leans into racial stereotypes. I mean, okay, satirically, but do you think, do you think it's going to upset some people? And, And do you think, you know, this is about the pressure black artists feel to make quote unquote black art? I mean, I mean, is that a theme that's always been part of black filmmaking? In fact,
2: And I quote an article by a woman who said, does black art have to, you know, represent all of blackness and be like the one thing that is the spokesperson for blackness? Are you responsible as a black artist to speak for all of us? And we are not a monolith, but a lot of times people think that, that that what one black person says or what we see one black person do in a movie speaks for everybody and it doesn't. What was interesting about American fiction, I saw the world premiere of it in Toronto, and I went to a um, an event with the director, writer-director Corey Jefferson, who adapted uh, the book, and I talked to a couple of other uh, younger Black critics, and a few of them were uh, upset that the primarily white audience at the theater were laughing at some of the things that were meant to be funny. I mean, the joke's on them, but they're still laughing. When I wrote my review of American fiction, I had a very hard time because there were a lot of things I wanted to say about my experience as a black person, as a writer, you know, and what I've been asked to do. In fact, I got some of it into my review about how people think all I know is about black things. Mm-hmm. and I, I've written about eight and a half. I've written about film noir extensively. I've written about directors that never put a Black person in their film. I've written about history of films, not just Black films, but films in general. I will put my knowledge of film up against anybody, any day. But they see the Black guy. All I know is Soul Plane and Medea and Black exploitation, let's say. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of, the thoughts of, did I want to write this book, that I wasn't going to put me in a position where I was going to be pigeonholed. And I'm already pigeonholed, so I didn't care. I would do it. So I do think that American fiction speaks to that. And Corey Jefferson, in interviews, has said, you know, this happens to all of us. We all have had an experience where this has happened, where they expected us to write something black and it had to have trauma in it, or all mm-hmm. we knew was something black. So I think it speaks to that. Um, as well.
1: In your book, you touch on tropes associated with Black characters in the movies, you know, whether it's criminals or the magical Negro trope, you know, you have a Black psychic character who magically solves problems for the protagonist or, or, you know, my favorite is the Black characters being the first to die in horror movies, right? (laughs) So how do you see these trends evolving? I mean, where are we now on that?
2: Well, no, there's a movie called The Blackening, where they play on that trope of the black person dies first. The whole movie is everybody's black. It's like it becomes a question of which black person is going to die first. Uh, you know, and there, like I said, there have been parodies of movies, Black Dynamite. There aren't very many magical Negroes in uh, Black Citation movies because the white folks are usually the villain. So right. that, that whole magical Negro thing came before that. You know, you have the movies where Sidney Poitier is solving problems for the white folks. He's the only black person in the movie. Uh, that kind of thing. I, I think that Hollywood's gotten wise to the magical Negro trope and it's trying not to do it, although they still do it on occasion. Um, but the other things still exist. Black people still die first in horror movies. <laughs> so that <laughs> hasn't
1: changed. That hasn't changed. <laughs>
2: but the movie Anaconda, a movie I love, as bad as oh, it is. Oh, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: If you watch Anaconda, none of the minorities die. Jennifer Lopez doesn't oh. die, Ice Cube does the, the snake doesn't eat a single Brown person. Oh
1: really? Oh wow!
2: And that's intentional, <laughs> I believe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it must be. <laughs> so I, I feel like there's a blossoming of black filmmakers right now. I mean, you have Ryan Coogler making big budget Black Panther movies. You have Barry Jenkins, Ava DuVernay. You have Issa Rae, Jordan Peele. I mean, how would you describe the current era of black filmmaking? I mean, are we in a golden age of black cinema?
2: I'm scared because this has happened before. You know, look back, you had Julie Dash, you had Spike, you had uh, Maddie Rich, you had all these people. All of a sudden, it was the Black New Wave, and we're going to have a whole you know, renaissance of Black people directing movies forever and ever, amen. And then it died. I think Hollywood was a little bit too uh, used to not doing, to trying not to do this, or aware they shouldn't be doing this. And also, I think that people like Ava DuVernay and Jordan Peele have a lot more power than some of the other Black directors or Black filmmakers had in the past, where Jordan Peele can command to have, you know, a Black editor or have, you know, Ryan can command, I want to bring someone in and help them be my assistant director so they can learn the craft and go forward. So I think there's some hope in that by continuing this. But if you look at it, there was just an article about diversity in movies and how it sucked. And now they were like, "Oh, we're going to make all these movies," and it turned out there was like six percent. Mm-hmm.
1: So you mean I, in terms of um, you know actors, directors, a, a, a movies
2: with black people in them, or movies black minorities in them in general, yeah. or movies that are about yeah. women, or women women directors, or movies that have themes that are focused on you know a, a female protagonist. They were Hollywood kept saying we're upping everything, and then they did this you know um, research and turned out that it was the exact opposite. So I'm I am a cynic at heart. <laughs> I'm holding my cards close to my heart here and hoping that this is going to continue. They're going to get 17 more movies from Jordan Peele.
1: I want to ask about you. Uh, you didn't start out as a movie critic. You started out as a computer programmer.
2: Right. So how did you make the switch? Well, I mean, it's weird to be a writer with a degree in computers, computer science. But And I was always a writer. Since I was six years old, I wanted to write a book and I wanted to be in a newspaper. And in 2022, both of those things happened. Um I, I always wrote, but I had to have a job. And my mother told me, correctly, no one was going to hire a Black film critic. And so I had to find something else to do. And I was great at math, so I became a computer science and math major. I got a job at 17, writing code. And I never looked back. And so last year, in 2020, well, 2022, I had been there 35 years. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to write. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be in a newspaper. And so, but you, you really, you have to be a realist about some of these things. And I I don't like writing code. Writing code was like writing a story. I was writing something, and it was getting read, if you will, by the computer. (laughs) So that's how I justified. That's how I talked my heart out of my betrayal. Um, And it was very, very good to me. And I, 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 part of me misses it. But I think that's what is different about me as a critic. I think as one of the critics with a degree in math, we approach things differently. How so? They always, they always told me to show my work in math class. And I think even if you hate my guts as a critic, you there's no denying how I got to where I got to. What my opinion was. I lay it out for you. I'm pretty explicit about laying it out for you. How did I come to this? A lot of times people get mad mad at me. It's like I'm working through my thoughts in the review, but that's my job. I'm like, I'm showing you how I got here. And I think that's a little different than if you were trained to be a journalist or trained to write reviews, you would approach it from a different angle.
0: Uh,
2: So I think that's the difference between like how my brain works and how the standard normal film critics brain works.
1: So Odie, I know exactly why you like black exploitation movies, but why do you like movies so much in general?
2: You know, it, it's almost like Martin, what happened to Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese was an, a little small asthmatic kid growing up in New York that couldn't really go outside all the time. And I was a little asthmatic kid growing up in Jersey City who couldn't go outside all the time. So back in the day, if you recall... There'd be movies on the independent channels and they would just run whatever they just whatever they had, they would put on. And I would sit and watch them. Also, I was taken to the movies a lot because it was something that got me out of the house. And I'm a type of person, if you get my attention, I'll sit still. And I was a hyper kid. So if you got my attention, I would just sit there like uh, and be enraptured by you or by whatever got my attention. Other than that, I was on the ceiling. So that put me in front of movies a lot <laughs> growing up. And I grew to enjoy, like, as a poor kid growing up in the hood, I never thought that I would ever travel the world like I did as a programmer. I just was sitting in my little room thinking I was going to be, like, like, good times. I was going to grow up and, you know, just be broke. Um, so movies took me away from that. Movies gave me a, a world to see. And I think that was partially the reason why I love them so much is that I just... They took me someplace. They got me out of my existence and put me someplace else where I couldn't think about, you know, getting beat up at school every day or whatever else is happening in my life that was traumatic. They gave me an escape. And I still feel that way to this day.
1: Well, Odie, thank you for being on Say More. I hope you come back again to talk about movies. Your new book is called Black Caesars and Foxy Cleopatra's A History of Black Exploitation Cinema.
2: I look forward to coming back and talking about Whatever you guys want to talk about.
0: Say, say,
1: say the
0: More day day
1: day day is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Anna Kusmer with help from Scott Hellman. Our editor is Jim Dow. Our engineer is Uzair Ahmed. Our music is from APM Music. For a list of tracks you heard on today's episode, check out the show notes. If you like the show, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at saymoreatglobe.com. I'm Shirley Leung. Thanks for listening. Nothing, nothing better happen to one hair on
0: my gorgeous head. Can you dig it?